I'm sitting as ever on the lawns behind the castle. Today I'm actually quite near the herb garden, which was something Geordie and I created as a healing garden to one side of the castle. And behind us is the afternoon tea marquee. So if you hear some cups and saucers rattling around, and even more important, plates, there are some delicious food being made for afternoon tea today. Today I am sitting with Ben Waite, our head keeper, who's only recently joined us. So in some ways it's looking at the estate, the woodlands, the farmland, with new eyes. So welcome Ben. Hello Lady Clarman. Well, it's lovely to see you Ben. And can you remind me, when did you actually start uh, I started on the 3rd of February this year, wow. so quite a new member of staff. And little did we know that after March the 23rd it would go into a very more silent lockdown. And of course, I've already made a podcast with your predecessor, Eddie Hughes, who was with us for some 60 years so I suppose you've been more with us more just over 60 Six days, days. <laughs> well, not quite, but anyway, 60 well I've got days. some very big boots to fill I think I know well I I don't ask if you're going to stay with us 60 years obviously I oh, hope you I might look forward and hopefully will yes <laughs> and it was lovely to meet both your you and your wife Kate and your boys and and I think your cottage has got a treehouse in it, hasn't it? It has. Well? It's got a treehouse. which the boys love to spend all their days running around out there and, and also in the wood behind the house. And uh, we've got the cricket pitch in, in front of the house there, which unfortunately they do sneak out and play there quite a bit, make sure they're not digging any holes in the lawn. Oh, well, no, it's a great <laughs> place for children to play. And I hope they'll come and watch the cricket with us next summer, well, if we're able to start again by then. Absolutely, but let's hope so. I think it's one of the prettiest cricket pictures in southern England but much of your life I know is spent on other sides of the estate and one of the key roles I think in today's world is that of conservation and I know we've had some wonderful tours around with you looking at some of your measures to feed and support wild birds, Ben? This year particularly we've done a, a regime of feeding the whole year so when I came in February we, we, we worked hard to get hoppers out and uh, also water is was a key thing this year with it being such a dry spring although we have had some very heavy downpours it's been very dry and at the moment we, we're putting in excess of a thousand litres of water a week out which is, is not just to feed the game birds but is also also helping support the deer and the hares and all other aspects of wildlife on the estate. I've seen so many hares around it's been a joy and I I was coming back quite late last night I think I dropped something off to someone and I saw so many friends so many hares it was it was magical actually. It seems to have been a bumper year for them this year they seem to have done done very well and and have got quite high numbers on the estate this year so that's good and that is also um, a way of judging the ecology of the estate because if, if we've got large numbers of hares we must be doing something right. Yes no absolutely and no, the hares are doing very well and you were showing me all the grey partridges which you're also supporting because they have become quite rare haven't they? Yeah they, partridges uh, in the latter years they've declined quite rapidly part of that is obviously due to um, the changes in agriculture we're working quite hard here to bring back the habitat that they need they need an awful lot of cover and a mosaic 
of habitat really from from cultivated ground to stubbles to beetle black banks flower margins we're basically we're trying to create a habitat where they don't have to move too far to get everything they need so they've got winter feed cover and also we supplementary feed with hoppers and and the water like i said and then they can move on into their brood rearing crops where they've got a cover to have their nests and be in shelter and then they haven't got to take their chicks very far away to an insect rich flower strip to find food to sustain them to an an older age but we have also released a small number of of grey partridges this year trying to get them as close to a wild bird as physically possible so what I've done this year is reared them in covey groups of between 20 and 25 and then I fostered them off to barren pairs of grey partridges that have been unsuccessful this year which gives them the best start possible and also helps them to believe they've been brought up by an adult bird which in turn helps them for next year for those hopefully bring off their offspring as well wow man that is amazing and it's it must take hours and days to achieve those extraordinary endeavors actually god knows what time you you get up in the morning (laughs) oh i I start work at the moment about five o'clock in the morning it is my favorite time of the day not only are are people not expecting to see you that time in the morning but half of the estate's wildlife is also not expecting to see you and they they can be you know quite giving in coming out and showing you themselves and you can see them and and they're they're quite just not expecting you at that time in the morning you can quite as long as you sit quiet you'd be surprised what you what you see in some ways, I think one of the one of the team here you work most closely with, of course, is Simon, our farm manager, who has, like you, an innate and instinctive knowledge as well as a trained knowledge of the landscape and the woodlands and how things knit together. He never fails to surprise and amaze me with with the depth of his knowledge and the closeness with, to the land with which he works. It's, it, I always feel it's a privilege to be around with him. And, and having gone around a few times with yourself, Ben, again, it's the, it's the love. And perhaps also the fresh eyes are good because you can do things the same way, can't you, without, without changing it around? Absolutely. I think, you know, Simon has done a magnificent job with the estate leading to me coming. To be honest, there's not too many more things I can do, but I think it's just a case of moving a lot of things round and maybe making some things a bit more interwoven interwoven. I love your word mosaic because I I think that's a brilliant way of explaining the interdependence and interrelatedness of the different nature and I think one of the most extraordinary things here is of course there are few fences and there are few divisions which means that we haven't divided nature animals one from the other they can move Move as they will rather than as we as we prescribe and I think some of the larger estates in England are unique and so important for that particular reason and in the woods you know we can let trees fall and collapse into themselves and they become a wonderful repository for beetles and insects and fungi yet again that's another way of saying we're making a mosaic of habitat like you just said we let the fallen trees and we want a certain amount of dead wood for the for the insects to go in so the woodpeckers can peck at them and then in turn there's plenty of insects to feed all the the finches and the woodland birds completely and then obviously i don't you probably are not haven't had the time to get up to speed 
with the history of the estate, which obviously I've been reading about for ages, and, you know, the fourth earl in Victorian times used to record how we'd thoroughly enjoy walking around with a shotgun and picking off some pheasant and some partridge. And, and then, obviously, everything was brought back and cooked. And then in Edwardian times as well, the rabbits, the pheasant, the partridge, they fed a huge number of local families. And it's good meat, isn't it? It's delicious. I don't know what, how you most prefer eating some of the some of the game from here we we eat game on a weekly basis at home my, my children absolutely love venison but also we eat quite a lot of pheasant and partridge and we also love wild duck at home you know we like just pretty easily done roasted or, or just pan fried in a bit of in, with a sauce and yeah it's, it's brilliant it's low in cholesterol it's low in fat and my, low in antibiotics or anything else <laughs> antibiotics. Yes. and i think you know how can we argue the fact that, that this bird has had a, a magnificent free range life you know it, it can go where it, it wants as you said there's no fences on the estate if, if it wants to leave the estate it can and we, all we can do is try to try to keep them here by making things as as interesting Hospitable for them as possible possible in some ways. I've often made pheasant curry or partridge curry. I always used to tell my son and stepchildren that the um, partridge was chicken. <laughs> and now they're so suspicious now, whenever. Can I see the chicken, please, mummy? Can I see the packet? Yes. <laughs> yes, can I see the packet? But it is, it's a very good meat. And actually there's a, I was going to also try and produce a recipe for pheasant goujons, which are delicious, where you sort of dip them in yummy sauces as well. Absolutely. It's just the diversity of food, which funnily enough for all our advances with today's technology when I look back at what people at a hundred years ago I think they had greater diversity than what we do today absolutely I think yeah. uh, you know like you just said they're, they're much more diverse food and, and and much bigger range of food because they were quite happy to eat all different kinds of game and and they would have sustained themselves on the game from right from the beginning of the shooting season right yeah. to the end they would have ate game in the castle I would imagine especially on a lot of your grand dinner parties and yes it was a very important food and meat actually through World War Two during those times the keepers who weren't called up and weren't part of the war effort at the time for medical or other reasons were also very good at coming back with game actually to feed the children and the evacuees living in the castle itself. I certainly thoroughly enjoyed the diversity of, of produce from here and all the vegetable gardens as well as everything else <laughs> and perhaps we're looking back a little bit to what Britain produces so well as we go through the next six months which are clearly also going to change our lives a little bit I think. Difficult times. Difficult times aren't they? I don't know when I look at the hills whether there's a favourite place you found to walk or to be within Highclere. There's Sidon Hill which is covered in trees and surmounted by the Folly Heavens Gate or the other side as you're going down the far side of the Wayfarers Walk you've got the the old terraces which I always think of from the Bronze Age or Iron Age time going to a large open expanses of chalk downland and some woods up by Hookwood which are carpets of bluebells in the spring and but surrounded by banks of wild flowers later on in the year is there some places which you've really found and fallen in love with Ben? I think one of my favourite places on the estate I mean the the whole estate is is a beautiful estate and very well kept but Red Pools has to be one of my favourite spots I I love to go down there and sit there in the evening and Kate my wife brings a book down and sits there and reads the two boys may take their little fishing rod and, and catch a few small roach from there but it's just such a pleasant place to be and many evenings we've been sat down there with a 
with a peregrine flying about over top of us and watching the ducks fly into the pond. It, it's just a very special place. It's very old. If you walk around it from the chapel side, it is in fact a summer walk for visitors. It's, it's closed at the moment, which also then gives nature a time when we're not so many people are trampling through and past them. But in the in the summertime, as you go down from the chapel, there's a tree, a huge old tree on its side completely fallen down yet still alive and the roots have grown the other way into the ground which I, I always have found fascinating it's a very old bit of ancient woodland there as you look down to the left and the right, isn't it? It, it does is. take me back and in time. It's very wild down there as well. You've got all the, the rhododendrons that have just finished yeah. blooming and were absolutely beautiful a couple of months ago. And it's just a very diverse area down there. It's, it's, it's got a bit of everything and, you know, we, we just love it. We like, like to sit there. I gather there can be the odd adder there in the summer, which I've never seen, but I've got one of my sisters who's terrified of snakes. So she went down and of course saw a snake and ran away I think she must have run a mile back up the hill probably a grass snake (laughs) probably a grass snake But, but I've never seen anything like that having said that the main thing is not to step on them and to look where you're going. I think, you, I think they like to be on the path there in, in the sunlight, but unfortunately I haven't seen them there yet. But I, I have seen the slow worms and I have seen the grass snakes down there. So It's, it's an amazing part of the world. And, and I always find Highclere amazing because people such as you or I, Ben, have walked through the estate, through the landscape and the fields for over a thousand years and whenever you walk and the more you walk the more you see the remains of a medieval village to the north of the castle in the grass perhaps that was the trackway going down the other side there might have been the remains of a tile mill because it was he's always been very windy and I think you could testify <laughs> to the wind around here and so the bishops of Winchester in the sort of 13th and 14th century began a tile business here making tiles to both put on the castle and sell they were making tens of thousands of tiles a year and it was quite a successful business which then faded away and turned into nothing by some Elizabethan times but you know we've been in business Heichler's been in business for at least 1200 years in different ways and constantly changing and adapting and I love the idea of it both as an anchor and both as something that changes but around it what doesn't change is the fact that we're growing food and raising birds animals pigs sheep to raise which is part of our food cycle as as the human race and I hope we're doing it really really well here and part of it is about sustainability conservation the different habitats and I love the way that you've embraced it we found those periods of silence particularly over the last few months early this year haven't we it, it, it has been a very strange season for me you know it's it's um, but it also has given us chance to take stock at what we're doing look at the habitats plan for the future and it, and it's quite an exciting opportunity there's a lot to do but, w- but we will get there no there is a lot to do and I, I think one of the other things I've noticed there seem to be an awful lot of berries this year wherever I look so I don't know whether on country law it says it's a sign of a cold winter or what your thoughts are about that. I think it's usually been a sign of a cold winter coming. I don't think any of us can judge what's around the corner at the moment, but definitely a very good fruit year and, and a very good nut year as well. So hopefully there'll be plenty of food for our visiting winter birds, our red wings and, and things like that. We'll have plenty of food available so when will the red wings come and visit us do you know they'll probably turn up around about the end of october and where have they come from Uh, 
Okay, so um, yeah, the Red Wings come from Russia and Scandinavia, and they gather on the Scandinavian coastline and make a massive 500-mile journey across to here, and, and will spread themselves out ac- across the British Isles. Well, I, I'm sure, I hope it's a better place to winter than Scandinavia or Russia and a very welcome armada of wonderful birds for us. And it's, of course, funny because then I was up on the tower of the castle doing some photographs and around me were the, this was a couple of weeks ago, so there was, the, the swallows were just about to gather themselves together. They were definitely eating some of the midges, which were, there were clouds of midges there. And they then set off from here, I know, and go down to Spain and Portugal, Morocco, Africa, Africa. South Africa, Namibia, and these tiny birds it's, just, it's extraordinary it's what they absolutely do. absolutely amazing the distance that such a small bird can travel. Mm. Obviously at the moment as well, which is very exciting to me and must be very exciting to Simon, is the fact that we've got quite a few stone curlews on the ground at the moment, which proves dividend to Simon who has been working tirelessly to get the stone curlew plots in the right place. And I was absolutely amazed. I've, I've gone through my life as a keeper well the last 16 years I've, I've been a keeper and seen very few stone curlews and went up over New Yard Bank last week to be greeted by three stone curlews on wow. the track looking at me and you know that's absolutely brilliant it just shows you know that Eddie also Eddie Hughes's hard work has paid off over the years and it, yes. it's great to see and hopefully we can build on that as well they are amazing birds aren't they very beautiful once you've heard them you always know them don't you yeah you do they're um, <laughs> I think I, I probably would have never spotted them if it hadn't been for the fact that they flew in front of me on the track. And then as soon as they sit back down again, you think, well, they've totally vanished. Where, yeah. where have they gone? And then you get the binoculars out and you find them. And I, I sat there for a good half an hour watching them, you know, I thought it was brilliant. And then in the background, you've got a big covey of grey partridges sat there calling. It's, it's absolutely perfect. And also, you know, we've got a lot of lapwings. Skylarks are doing incredibly well on the estate. Um, meadow pipits, all of which... Are, are critically endangered birds and, yes. and I think you know they are doing very very well well I always think it's trying to give these birds space and and time away from all of us because if we continually walk through them and dogs off leads are always a case in point it then disturbs them all and they lose move away they don't come back for their youngsters and everything else but we are very lucky to be able to give them a little bit of space to find their way and grow in number. The lapwings have been doing very well for the last few years. Very actually. well. There's nothing, nothing better than watching a, a two young lapwing chicks running around behind their parents. You know, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. In turn, you know, obviously, like I say, we've done a lot of winter feeding this year, a lot of watering this year. Yes. And, and that's I that's think the helped. watering's made a huge difference, actually. So, you know, a chapeau to you, Ben, because that's sometimes forgotten or it's assumed that birds can find their find own the sources of yeah. Of water, and I say it's a, it's a knock-on effect of managing things for the game birds. You know, we also we've got the overwinter bird strips which are in at the moment, and and a couple of weeks ago were absolutely beautiful, massive sunflowers. But now you drive down and you've got a mass of finches and linnets that are all starting to find those sunflower yeah. 
seeds and, and it's yeah. overwintered food for them. It's going to be interesting in, as the weather cools down in the next couple of weeks to, to see how many come. It's going to be large numbers of... of I'd also wanted to do some conservation tours in the summer, you know, in using the beater's wagon to do something like that, Ben. Of course, we can't exactly put several <laughs> people in, in one big old beater's wagon at the moment, but it'd be lovely to work towards something like that. I think there's so much to share and to do and by putting everybody in one area it's a great way to share what we are trying to do and even produce some pamphlets information about it would be quite cool absolutely i think the the problem at the moment is time <laughs> time and when we are you know gamekeepers are very much in the spotlight at the moment but i think a lot of that is people are misunderstanding what actually happens and i think you're absolutely right if we could invite people to the estate and show them what we're doing they get a greater understanding of it and then it's maybe not quite as bad as it is all perceived to be i think in by in contrary wise i don't know you know but gwyneth who lives on the estate who was married to Don the gardener went to London for the first time in her life she's I suppose in her 70s hadn't been there before and she wondered what happened in London so she decided to go up to London with Karina a girlfriend of mine offered to take her up in a car and she went up there and again it was her greater understanding of what happens in London which was opening her eyes to something so different and actually this was before lockdown I remember she came back and said oh Lady Carnarvon all those people living in those funny little boxes high up and it was such a different point of view and she went to Harrods and which she'd obviously never seen it was a busy street and sort of getting out of the car it was amazing and then she's come back here and is very happy back here back. but it understands London a little bit better and I'm, I'm sure everybody understands the countryside pretty well already but some of the interrelatedness the interdependence the way and nature and and the woodlands and everything else you can't segment them they are this mosaic of life which we can and can't see and then there's the mosaic of life underneath which is the fungi and the mycelia which interconnects all the plants and the trees and we have some amazing specialists who come up here in September, October and start looking at fungi up by the Temple of Diana yeah. because there are some very rare fungi as well as the field gentians there and I've learnt so much from them so again it's that interrelatedness about where you can see the quality of the soil and what grows on the soil it's as fine, well yeah. amazing world isn't it? It is Ben I haven't spent enough time with you to know where you grew up and what did, did you grow up in the countryside presumably? And I did I grew up um, in St Marybourne which is Not a couple far. of miles down the road <laughs> I've always admired Highclere Castle. I was one of four generations of gamekeepers and and I've always had a passion for it. And I think I knew right from a five-year-old boy what I wanted to do. And I think the main objective for it for me is that I think we're we're just custodians of the countryside and I think we our main aim is to leave things in in a better condition when we go than we took them over in. I think that's a wonderful thought. It really is and I remember when you came for the interview because I think your wife came too. She'd driven with you and I just thought that mattered that she also might like to come and live here. It is a job for both of you, for partners, isn't it? Because you both have to buy into this extraordinary, I find an extraordinary community and place to live. And it's spirit, Ben, that matters as well. So Absolutely. I feel very lucky that you've decided to come and join us. Well, I feel very lucky to have been able to join you as well. Oh, thank you, Ben. I can't thank you enough for joining me today in the middle of 
what is clearly a very busy day on your part, and I can't believe that you got up at five. I'm not very good in the morning, I have to say. I always mean to get up early and fail. I really appreciate it, and I'm very much looking forward to the next few years or however many years you feel you can stay with us as we work and live and enjoy the extraordinary woodlands and farm of Highclere. But thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Just to say, please do subscribe to this podcast. Then you can be first on the list every time it comes out.